Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hello everyone, my name is Devin Zanskis, host of Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Um, obviously today we'll be talking about something much bigger than basketball, and that is the attempted murder of Jacob Blake at the hands of the Kenosha police last Sunday. He was shot seven times in the back by a police officer while three other officers were present and his three children were in the back of the car. Clearly this should hit home for everyone as a human being, but I'm sure most if not all my listeners today joining me are especially horrified and embarrassed by the treatment of Jacob Blake and the actions of the Kenosha law enforcement right here in our backyard. After the game Monday, players were given a chance to remove their focus from the contest and consider the events that unfolded in Kenosha, uh, just like the rest of us have been considering. Uh, Leading up to the Wednesday afternoon game, uh, just before tip-off, the Milwaukee Bucks were nowhere to be found. In fact, they were uh, remaining in their locker rooms and they were on conference calls with uh, Wisconsin Attorney General Josh Paul and Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes finding out what action they can take in order to make change and fight against uh, racial inequality and social injustice in this country. Uh, I, Like I said, I'd hope that all of you had had time to really take a chance and think about what's important to you in a time like this. For my white listeners out there, consider the privilege that you have just because of the color of your skin and how messed up that is, and what you're going to do to do your part and fight against fight against the disparity between the treatment of uh, white people and people of color, particularly uh, black people at the hands of police in America. And uh, that is the fight against racism and social injustice in this country. Today is the, uh, if I'm doing my math correctly but i may not be the 57th or 58th roughly anniversary anniversary of martin luther king jr's uh, march on washington where he delivered his iconic i have a dream speech today i'd like to also echo a quote of his that in the end we'll remember not the words of our enemies but the silence of our friends and here we are today jacob blake brianna taylor george floyd Ahmaud Arbery, Elijah McClain, Sandra Bland, Tamir Rice, Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin. How many more? If not now, when? Chris Weber asks, with tears in his eyes looking directly into the camera. I've had to explain death to kids that haven't even seen it in the movies before, Weber says. That's when I stopped to think. When have I had someone explain death to me? Was it before I ever saw it in the movies? Definitely not. Have I really ever had to ex- had to have someone explain death to me? Absolutely not. Could that maybe be because uh, I never had to fear that uh, people who are paid by the government to protect and serve all of us would possibly uh, find reason to murder me, whether I'm going for a jog in my neighborhood, if I am playing with a toy gun and I'm 12 years old, or if I'm asleep in my own bed. 
I've never had to consider whether or not the police would murder me for those reasons. And, and I've also never had to consider whether or not they, whether or not they would hesitate to bring justice for me if I were, if I were to be murdered in such a, such a senseless manner like that of Ahmad Arbery when he was murdered just going for a jog in his neighborhood. Yet still, somehow, other white people find reasons to justify the modern-day lynching. I say again, Jacob Blake, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Elijah McClain, Sandra Bland, Tamir Rice, Eric Gardner, Trayvon Martin. In the press, if I had been murdered, would the press be say, saying something about the trace amounts of marijuana in my bloodstream? Probably not. If I had shot three protesters, killing two of them, would the press be sharing photos of me trying to remove the graffiti of said justified protesters earlier that day? That's what the evidence seems to prove to me. If not now, when? Marcus Johnson asks. If not during a global pandemic, when we're all left at home to sit down and think more than ever before, when? As the events are unfolding in front of me, I click onto NBA TV, and the first man speech speaking is Sam Mitchell. He says, me and every black man I know knows someone shot and killed by the police. And it's not just hearing of someone across the state or or someone across the state from from a family member across the country no it's someone with only one degree of separation for sam mitchell that was somebody he played against in high school as a white man i sit and i ask myself do i know anyone or does anyone i'm even acquainted with knows anyone that's been murdered by the police absolutely not Everything I've just mentioned is an example of my white privilege, and I hope that everyone at home and uh, the majority of my listeners sit and consider that white privilege. Uh, consider the the uh, positive or negative negative circumstances that have that have unfolded in front of you. Consider your interactions with the police and and how different those interactions uh, may have been had you had a different color had you had a different color skin than you do. After Sam Mitchell, George Hill is brought to the screen. He says he didn't feel, it didn't feel right earlier that day going out there like nothing had happened. Until the world gets their shit together, I guess we're not going to get our, our things together. Brooke Lopez then adds, we had a great talk before film. Particular theme of conversation was not remaining complacent. I remember in the aftermath of the George Floyd incident, when many of my peers were were bravely speak, speaking up against everything that had happened, and they had said, "There's no, there's no uh, remaining on the fence on an issue like this. You're either with us or against us," and that remains true. Mike Budenholzer then adds, "Nothing else is more important right now than making lasting change. That change regarding allowing police to use inappropriate force." And that force is disproportionately um, affecting black Americans. Black lives matter. 
Say it with me at home. Black lives matter. If if you cringe at those three words, and the word you want to change is the first word in that statement, doesn't that show what you have a problem with? It's not about your life, is it? Wisconsin and Milwaukee are no strangers to social injustice and racism. Not even our Milwaukee Bucks. John Henson, of course, was racially profiled in a jewelry store at Bayshore Mall in 2015. John Henson, a 6'11 man, he's on TV every night for a local team, and he's made millions of dollars. Yet, as he, as he's minding his own business, shopping in a jewelry store, as everyone else should be welcome to do so, the store owner is 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 assuming that his intention is is nothing but to steal. If this is how people in our community are being profiled when they're again six eleven on television every night and making millions of dollars. How do you think the majority of, of people are being treated in our community? Consider that. Sterling Brown. Only back in 2018 was tased and arrested for, for parking in, in a Walgreens handicapped parking spot after 2 a.m. As a white person sitting at home. Would I have been tased and arrested for parking in a handicapped parking spot? The only correct answer is absolutely not. Marcus Johnson then has to say, very emotional Marcus Johnson, I might add, rightfully so, says regardless of Jacob Blake's past, he did not deserve to get shot seven times in front of his children. He deserved to be treated with decency and like a human being like everybody else. That is when I like to, when I like to share sentiments that I've heard and <laughs> notice to be true. When a black man is killed, we look at all of his mistakes in his rap sheet. Yet when a white man is killed, we allow him to get away, then safely be brought into custody a day later, and then we put him on the news, cleaning up graffiti the morning before, being apologetic towards him and his action. Johnson then adds that he regrets not making it to the Halloween store in time to protest against a statement made that the NBA had too many black faces to be popular in corporate America back in the back in the early 80s. That reminds me of a time that I think of I think of often and I regularly lose sleep over where uh, a young man referred to my friend with a racial slur, and all I had done was was confront him, and as stupid as it sounds, finally saying out loud today, all I had done was get in his face and ask him to repeat what he said. Now, saying that out loud, I'm certainly just realizing how terrible it is to subject my friend <laughs> to subject my friend to hearing those words again just just so that I'm daring myself to maybe have the guts to act towards this terrible individual. Yet as kids, we're surrounded by adults. 
today, do I really think that the best action would have been to hit this young man? Or should I have just gone ahead and made the adult that I knew was affiliated with this kid aware of the terrible thing that his son was saying? That begs the question, if you're allowing your kid to say that, although we were kids, we certainly weren't that young. I mean, if you're saying those words, you're old enough to have to have your own ideas. So would that would that parent have cared? That doesn't matter at all, though, does it, as I'm sitting here thinking about it? So I guess that just leads me to, the, to another point of, as white people, I think it's important that we address, well, excuse me, I'll go back to the point I was trying to make in, in saying that when we're dealing with these issues of race, we should uh, certainly be, be amplifying black voices instead instead of being selfish and and only thinking our, of ourselves and taking action. Like I said, that day I should have thought, what would my friend like to be done in this case? Would he want me to make a scene about it? Be selfish? No. Had he have wanted me to do anything, he probably would have, would have wanted me to at least address it with the parent and although maybe I shouldn't assume that the parent is racist if their their child is saying these words, even if I'm justified in doing so, hopefully that parent with, with enough life experience does not think that way and is able to correct their child so he, so he doesn't so he doesn't harass my friend or, or any or any other black kid again. To the point I was going at in, uh, when I was considering, well, is this kid's parent racist? If, if is, if, is this kid's parent racist and is this household racist if the kid is out here using racial slurs on the playground? That just, that whole, the whole debate just brings about the importance of us white people addressing um, these microaggressions that we have. And <laughs> I don't have any, any great examples right now, but um, especially us white people out there, if um, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll certainly know what I'm referring to when you encounter, encounter them. Maybe, as I should give some sort of example, as a white person, it's microaggressions being something that, that you think that you think you're safe to say when only in the company of other white people, but you're only saying it because you're only surrounded by white people. So if you if you're if you're out with friends or you're in your home and you're saying something racist no matter what the context is, or if, if you're not, if you don't feel like, if you don't, if you feel like it would be offensive towards someone of color, maybe you just shouldn't be saying it, it at all. Even if you're in a so-called safe space with your white friends. Moving off of that, uh, I'd like to point out uh, what Zora Stevenson Buck's beat writer had to say. Um, she cited just 
uh, in recent history, her husband rushing out to get a new taillight. And she touches upon the remarkable urgency of her husband just to go out and get a taillight. She says that he did so, so that he would, he would give nobody a reason to pull him over. Going back to microaggressions. If you're white and you don't believe there are issues or you think the issues are too few and far between to address, maybe you can, should consider the next time you, you tongue-in-cheek tongue mention, mention driving while black. If we're recognizing that we wouldn't want to put ourselves in the shoes, shoes of black people, then we're recognizing that there's an issue in this country and there's an issue in equal treatment between whites and blacks and other people of color. Zora Stephen also mentioned the time when her father told her the story of walking down the street after Martin Luther King was assassinated. She also mentioned that her father had been arrested and only had mentioned that her father was just walking down the street um, to try to to try to observe the commotion that was happening. He was then arrested, and when Zora asked her father why he had been arrested, all he could say was that he had no idea. That's white privilege. Whew. Okay, um, I'd also like to make note that the Orlando Magic had refused to accept the forfeit from the Milwaukee Bucks, although following the Bucks' lead, the rest of the NBA teams, if you weren't aware, had also gone on strike uh, for all of Wednesdays, Thursdays, and now today's Friday's games. But we'd expect nothing different, but thank you to the Orlando Magic for refusing said forfeit. Um, <laughs> it also just reminds me of some disappointment in uh, hearing people's concern over whether or not <laughs> whether or not there would be a forfeit. And <laughs> you know that's just another example of white privilege. If your players are fighting against the mistreatment and inequality of, of people of color yet you're more concerned about the about the forfeit of your team to support them that's white privilege so yes we would like to salute the rest of the nba teams for taking a stand with the milwaukee bucks especially the toronto raptors and the boston celtics whom i had heard heard rumors of before the milwaukee bucks uh Strike that they may strike for their uh, game that would be um, the first game of their series would have been later that day. I don't remember the game times for every single game that day. It was either uh, immediately after ours or the third game of the evening. Uh, nobody cares anyway what the time of the game was because it didn't happen. And I would also like to salute the Detroit Lions for taking a for striking themselves at their practice facility uh, before any NBA teams had and displaying a whiteboard saying that we won't be silent. 
And for this episode, at least, here on Nuck If You Buck, we're Detroit Lions fans. Last and certainly not least, I would like to commend the sacrifices of of the WNBA uh, for protesting the attempted murder of Jacob Blake, some walking up with um, seven gunshots drawn on the back of their warm-up shirts and the front spelling out Jacob Blake. And um, also, if you aren't aware of, of uh, Maya Moore's and uh, Renee Montgomery's sacrifices and specifically giving up NBA seasons to fight against racism and social injustice, uh, I recommend that you that you look into their story and try to learn, learn more about why, uh, why they're fighting against the fight that they are. Um, yeah, it's heavy, but um, as I mentioned before, the Bucks had remained in, in their locker room uh, after not entering the court to hold conference calls with Wisconsin Attorney General Josh Paul and Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. And uh, I recommend that if if you want to support your Milwaukee Bucks, as here on Nuck If You Buck, we don't only support black culture, but first and foremost, we support the black lives of all of our uh, many Bucks players, I recommend that you take action. Uh, I would like to provide uh, links to uh, donate to the Milwaukee Freedom Fund, who are extending their support to the protesters in Kenosha. I'll also share a link to the Jacob Blake GoFundMe, as well as contact info for the Kenosha District Attorney, Michael Gravely, Kenosha Mayor and City Administrator, and the Wisconsin Department of Justice. I'll also share a template for you, um, so if you have an idea of what to say, um, in case in case you want to reach out but are are a little bit unsure of what what you would like to say, if you're having trouble putting to words your frustration as I am at this moment as well. Uh, I would also like to. Um, to add a little tip in as well, to add a little personal note, I know specifically around the uh, the George Floyd event when everyone was so bravely standing up there for justice, there was word going around to add, um, excuse me, um, I'm losing my words, um, just your own individual touch to the template. Um, in order to um, to make sure that those who uh, manage the inboxes for these government officials uh, have a harder time kind of sorting through all of all of the mail that they must be getting right now as it'll be easier for them to sift through and delete messages when when they all read uh, the exact same. Anyways, these links will be on my Twitter and Instagram profiles. Um, my Twitter and Instagram are both the same. They're Nuck If You Buck NBA, the U being just the letter U. And if you aren't on either of those platforms, you are always more than welcome to email me at NuckIfYouBuckThePod at gmail.com. There the U is spelled out, Y-O-U. And everything else is just like it sounds just in case uh, neither of the other options work. 
Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Nuck If You Buck with Devin Zanskis. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, and our two latest releases, Players Court and Bleachers and Boards. We also have two other team-focused NBA podcasts out right now, Grizz and Grind and Cavalier Central, with many more to come. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. So yeah, that obviously had to be addressed, and it's hard for me to even find motivation to transition out of that, because, because basketball just simply does not matter right now yet since basketball has gone on since our last podcast while i have you today i might as well share some other bucks news that Giannis antetokounmpo has won defensive player of the year he is the first player to win defensive player of the year mvp and most improved player he's the fifth to win the mvp and the defensive player of the year uh in his career, uh, the other four being Kevin Garnett, Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, and Michael Jordan. And he is also uh, more than halfway to becoming the third player to win both the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. Uh, the other two players being Hakeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan. I say more than halfway through because in my mind... Um, the MVP trophy is more of his award to lose than the Defensive Player of the Year award is. In my mind, the only real candidate, and in everyone's minds, no one is considering, I don't think anyone, I would doubt if a lot of people are considering or anyone besides Giannis without some very strong biases there, but um, at least there's no other candidate besides uh, Giannis and LeBron James. LeBron, if you don't recall, from the end of the season before the pandemic, uh, LeBron was getting some added hype due to uh, improved play of the Lakers. Giannis was injured and the Bucks had some losses without uh, Giannis and some of their starters. And there was talks of like, Oh well, what if the Lakers catch the Bucks? But that, of course, was unlikely to happen, especially if Giannis uh, was to was to return shortly. In which, it, unless in which case his his knee his knee injury was not considered to be that outrageous, in which he would have been out for much longer than a week or so. And other than LeBron gaining, I guess, approaching Giannis's performance throughout the totality of the season, but he had outplayed LeBron up until basically he was injured, was that, was that hey, LeBron's super old for a basketball player, and that's impressive for him to be playing at an MVP level. But Giannis has every other argument, especially the two-way impact now of being a defensive player of the year, the Bucks having the best record, him being 
being the clear number one on the team with the best record. Um, although Chris Middleton has certainly had an amazing season, averaging um, near 50, 40, 90. Unfortunately, he didn't quite make it. Um, but he averaged near 50, 40, 90. And he had averaged, um, off the top of my head, at least uh, like 21 points per game, 21, 22 points per game, somewhere in that realm. So he's been a real number two player this year. But um, considering all of all of the dynamic duos that joined the NBA from this past offseason, the fact that the, the Bucks have performed better than all of those dynamic duos, and yet Chris Middleton was the only player that had doubts as to whether they were worthy of being the number two of a dynamic of a dynamic duo. Um, all the more case for Giannis Antetokounmpo there. Anyways, Giannis is the second buck to win Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, the first being the first ever winner of of the Defensive Player of the Year trophy in its inaugural season. That's Sidney Moncrief, who won it in eighty three, eighty four, and eighty four, eighty five. Um, should also mention the other two finalists for the Defensive Player of the Year trophy. That is the reigning Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert, uh, who has won it the two previous seasons. However, the Jazz defense have took a little bit of a dip despite Rudy still being in a generational defensive talent. They replaced Derek Favors last year with uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, so they had really they traded offense for defense there, so their defense took a dip, and um, it's just hard to win Defensive Player of the Year three times in a row. It's uh, pretty much it, and especially when you're going up against a player like Giannis. Um, the third candidate was Anthony Davis. Uh, Anthony Davis had the help of some excuse me, some campaigning on his behalf earlier in the season by his running by his teammate, LeBron James, who said that he wanted him to win it earlier in the season. The Lakers did have, have an incredible defense themselves. However, there are some on and off stats out there that actually show that whereas LeBron has has incredible on-off data in terms of his impact on the defensive end, uh, comparing when he is on the on the floor defensively to when he is off the floor, and then in contrast, the defensive on-off numbers seem to be uh, pretty similar whether or not Anthony Davis is on the floor or not. That is not to say that that the on-off numbers always catch all of the data. That's there. Um, on NBA players these days, or that Anthony Davis isn't worthy of being a Defensive Player of the Year candidate this year and many other years. But um, yeah, the Bucks have had a historic defense yet again, and Giannis is leading that charge. So without further ado, I will break down the point system here and the breakdown. So for background, a player earns five points for a first place vote, three points for a second place vote, and one point for a third place vote. And Giannis ended up with 432 points and 75 first place votes, whereas the 
Number two, the runner-up, Anthony Davis, had only 200, only 200 points, I'm saying. That's, I am only saying that in contrast to Giannis. Uh, yeah, Giannis, or Anthony Davis had 200 total points, and he only beat out Rudy Gobert by 13 points as Rudy had 187 points. And the breakdown between those two is kind of interesting because Rudy actually had the most second place points points with 42 points, but Anthony Davis had um, eight more first place votes and 15 more third place votes. So that's what led to the very small discrepancy in points there. Number four was Ben Simmons, who had uh, 155 points less than Rudy Gobert and for 32 points and then Bam Adebayo had uh, 17 points so clear a clear number one at the top a clear top three and then we had uh, another I guess somewhat clear top five there but we don't need to go through the entire ballot as uh, hilariously uh, Andre Drummond garnered a first place vote whereas Brooke only garnered four third place votes so let's just leave it at that some stats to back up Giannis's uh, defensive player of the year season uh, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks had the NBA an NBA best 101.6 defensive rating and with Giannis on the court they had an a 96.5 defensive rating, which is the lowest among all players who average 15 minutes per game. Uh, defensive rating, for those who don't know, is simply a measure of how many points a player allows per 100 possessions. Uh, for context, uh, this season, all NBA teams uh, averaged 103 possessions per game. And... Uh, Defensive rating is different than uh, defensive plus minus in that uh, defensive rating only accounts for points scored as a result of defensive mistakes. It also removes components such as pace and minutes per game. Minutes per game is especially important in this stat, and I would like to uh, point out a little fun fact, especially for my Wisconsinites who are listening out there, where Henry Ellenson uh, had had a... 54.3 defensive rating. Now, let me remind you, Giannis's was 96.5. And uh, also in this stat, as I should have mentioned earlier, it's better to have the lower number. So by the numbers, Henry Ellenson uh, from Rice Lake, Wisconsin, is nearly, nearly twice as good on defense as Giannis. However... Henry Ellenson totaled 15 minutes in five games this season, so he didn't quite qualify for that greater than 15 minutes per game uh, subset there. But if we're root, but for the record, for our Rice Lake guy there and Marquette alumni, um, if we remove the 15 minutes per game restriction there, Henry Ellenson would have been the third best player in the NBA defensively. I'll leave it at that. Um, but I will also uh, just like to point out that uh, a good way to think of defensive rating because it's really uh, best as 
a team stat is you should say it as in when Giannis Antetokounmpo is on the court, the Milwaukee Bucks have a defensive rating of 96.5, and that is the best among any players in the NBA averaging greater than 15 minutes per game. So I just like to give a little background on the stat if I know it ahead of time, and especially if I'm sharing it on this show. Other facts beyond other other facts and stats beyond defensive rating that support Giannis being the defensive player of the year is his opponent field goal percentage was an NBA best 41.3%, um, which speaks for itself. Uh, 41.3% is not a good percentage to average from the field, and uh, NBA best speaks for itself as well. He also led the league in uh, with 11.5 defensive rebounds, uh, also with the help of Brooke as, as Brooke and Robin Lopez brothers in general, have always been heralded for their impact on the floor um, with rebounds, despite not totaling many themselves. And this is uh, because they focus primarily on, on boxing out their opponents, which can be more, more, uh, more productive in terms of getting rebounds. And this is what was fourth in league in total rebounds with, with 13.7 rebounds. He um, was, Fifth in the in the NBA among players with at least 15 minutes per game, with a 30.9 defensive rebound percentage, meaning that when he was on the floor, he grabbed 30.9 uh, percent of all um, of all defensive rebound opportunities throughout the season. That's more of an individual stat in comparison to defensive rating, and he also averaged uh, almost exactly a steal and a block per game. So two stocks per game is pretty good. I mentioned two stocks because I'll be referring to that more more in the show. When I say stocks, it's a com- combination of steals and blocks if you haven't put it together. Next, I will go into game four, the most recent Bucks contest and the only one that has occurred since I have last recorded here. Pardon the fact that I'm out of breath because I had to run upstairs for my Computer, charger, however we move on. So game four for between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Orlando Magic in the first round. Uh, one seed versus the eight seed. Uh, both teams had a hard time buying a bucket early on until bled. So through a half-court lob to Giannis, who brought it down for the reverse lay-in. As West Banks in a three uh off of a Giannis feed. Wesley is, as you'll uh, go on to hear about, uh, had a pretty good night uh, shooting from beyond the arc there. Uh, then there would be back-to-back steals for uh, one for each team, actually, and then Bucks would call it, yeah, yeah, excuse me, Bud, or the Bucks would call a timeout early on there. Out of the timeout, Giannis would get fouled by Markel Fultz, and he'd finish both of his free throws. And uh, Brooke would follow um, would uh, follow a Gary Clark three with a three of his own, to which then James Ennis would hit a floater. Later, Giannis would catch another lob from uh, Bledsoe, this time for a dunk, and... Uh, and then he would take a breather there on the bench about halfway through the first quarter till he would have re- eventually return and then uh, drive through 
Drive through the open lane for a dunk with only eight and a half seconds remaining in the first. The first quarter there would close with a 22 to 18 advantage uh, for the Bucks. Now, from late in that first quarter and moving on into the second quarter, the Magic would actually have a, an 11 to 2 run on their hands. Pardon me. Yeah, they'd have an 11 to 2 run on their hands following a DJ three, and which uh, the Magic would go up uh, 24 to 22. Brooke would then hit a corner three and then hit uh, George Hill on a touch pass for a three of his own to bring it back, uh, bring the Bucks back a lead of 28 to 24 with two minutes, uh, just two minutes into the second quarter. The Bucks and Magic would trade baskets for a while until Bledsoe would heat up for back-to-back buckets of his own, uh, one being a mid-ranger over Vucevic, followed by a smooth behind-the-back drive to get past James Ennis in transition. Giannis would have another finish through contact um, before uh, Wes would uh, have have, an, have another uh, three of his own. He would pump fake and then s- sidestep for a three over Fournier. Uh, Vucevic would hit a three over George Hill. Then Wes would have his second three in a row to close out the half, and he would have he would have his beautiful Robin Hood bow and arrow uh, three point celebration as well that we love to see. You really only see it there from Wesley Matthews, Jamal Murray, and then you would have to you'd have to remind me of any other in the NBA that has uh, that same celebration. But we love it, and uh, I'll say it's Wes's because he's been in the league a lot longer than Jamal has. Uh, at the half, if I hadn't said it already, the Bucks had a 58 to 52 point advantage. Marvin Williams would have a perfect game up to that point: uh, eight points on three of three shooting and two of two three, two of two from the three point line. Uh, Usovic and Giannis would lead the game in scoring with 16 and 14 points respectively. Going into the third quarter, we'd see another beautiful West sidestep three off of off of another Giannis kick out um, from an offensive rebound of his. Moose and Giannis would trade two-point baskets before the Magic uh, would go on another run. And besides uh, Giannis's uh, uh, beautiful poster on uh, Nikola Vucevic there, um, where he uh, sidesteps himself and then dunks all over Vuce. Fournier would hit hit a three off of a silly, silly little running hook shot, and the Bucks would turn the ball over before Fournier would have a catch-and-shoot three uh, with a, an additional magic uh, three before and after this sequence. I just outlined uh, Bud would call a timeout. Out of the timeout, Dante DiVincenzo would hit a three, and Kem Birch would be sent to the line and make both of his shots to bring the Magic back up with a 75-76 to 76 lead, three minutes remaining in the third quarter. Fultz, however, goes to the bench for four fouls, and Dante um, has a steal leading to his sig- signature. Uh, O.J. Mayo Memorial... Leave in transition for Giannis to slam it home, uh, which we love to see. Shouts out OJ Mayo. Corver and Ursan Ilyasova would hit back-to-back mid-rangers in uh, old white dad fashion. Terrence Ross then makes a mid-ranger 
of his own before Wundu draws a charge on Giannis and he would get fouled behind the three-point line uh, by Dante. At this point, the Bucks broadcast would like to point out that the Magic hold a uh, an 18-6 free throw attempt advantage and Giannis would close out the third quarter with a uh, with a marvelous three at the top of the key as the Bucks gain a 93 to excuse me 83 to 80 uh, point advantage uh, going into the final quarter Giannis would have 23 points 10 rebounds and six assists Vus would have 18 points eight rebounds and seven assists on a, a triple double watch stay tuned for that and we'd also hear after the game that Giannis would have uh, some uh, clearly effective advice for his number two option there, who hasn't quite been himself this series. So he'd encourage Chris to just keep shooting his shot no matter what. He said, no matter, I just told him, no matter what, shoot it. Just don't stop shooting. Keep shooting. And Chris would deliver, as we'd find out. Entering the fourth quarter, Giannis drives for a two and then feeds Chris, who hits a contested three before uh, he hits he hits his first two of the game with uh, what I indicate in my notes as a Kobe, which is which is a, uh, a mid-range fadeaway. Just three minutes into the fourth quarter, the Bucks are already on an 18-2 run after Chris gets fouled behind the three-point arc uh, before Steve Clifford would call a timeout. Uh, following the timeout is following Chris's missed free throw shot. He couldn't quite convert on the four point play, uh, but we'll forgive him considering this fourth uh, quarter performance. As you'll see, Chris hits a three over Faults, then Fournier makes a three of his own. Chris hits a mid range over Faults before Voos hits a three over Brook. We'll see that's a trend in uh, Chris just. Just banging shots over Markel Fultz and Vuce just uh, just having a day of his own in the fourth quarter. Uh, Terrence Ross would hit a wide open bucket for the Magic to have a second three in a row. And Buck or Bud Bucks Bud Tomato Tomato would call uh, another uh, quick timeout the second of the fourth quarter as they the Magic cut the lead to 12 points in the Bucks' favor, 104 to 92. Um, out of the timeout, Fournier would follow Chris, where he would uh, miss another free throw, but make one. Vuce would dunk it home from a slick feed on from faults, and uh, but Chris would, resp- or, excuse me, not Chris this time, but Brooke would hit a three to respond to Vucevic. However, Chris would hit a step back mid-ranger over Fultz with five minutes remaining in the game. Vus sinks another another three to bring it within seven to force another bud timeout there. Uh, Corver would get a wide open three out of the timeout. Then Giannis drives into the lane for two, but missed miss the end one. We're not as shocked out of Giannis there, but we expect more from our uh, MVP and now Defensive Player of the Year. Speaking of our Defensive Player of the Year, he would block James Ennis as Chris uh, played some all some all defense on on ball defense there. 
on James Ennis, where Fultz would send George Hill to the line for his fifth foul, and Mr. Reliable George Hill would hit both of his free throws. Both teams are in the bonus at this point, and the Bucks have a 116-104 lead with about a minute remaining as Fultz would uh, draw the charge on Fultz and sink both of his free throws, and Fultz would foul out, but it wouldn't matter much as the game would conclude with 121 points to the Magic's 106. Giannis would finish with 31 points, 15 rebounds, 8 assists, 14 of 21 shooting from the field. No more sub-50% games for him, apparently. And uh, 2 of 6 shooting from free, which we'll take. Nikola Vucevic finishes with 31 points again. 11 rebounds, but wouldn't have another assist. So, uh, so much for that triple-double watch. He would uh, conclude the game with uh, 55% shooting from the field. And, and he would be 6 of 20 from 3. So... That's definitely not right. That is a typo. Six of ten from three. He did not take 23s. That would be remarkable. Anyways, um, yeah, so the Bucks remain up in this series, three to one on the Orlando Magic. And they are scheduled to play on Saturday uh, for game five to eventually happen there. Um However, as the NPR politics likes to say, things may change by the time you hear this podcast. And whatever our Bucks would like to, to do, especially in terms of speaking out on the social in, injustice and the racism that plagues this country, they have our utmost support. And uh, I apologize First and foremost, for anything I may have said earlier that was not articulated in in the best way, if I could have been better in supporting uh, my black uh, the black community, excuse me, um, and for having to wait, not having to, but waiting until the second episode here to make it clear that on Nuck If You Buck and. We support black lives first and foremost, then black culture, as um, the the NBA is made up of at least three quarters uh, black individuals. So we support you. Black Lives Matter. If you would like to uh, make action towards fighting against social injustice and racism, you're encouraged to reach out to our social accounts there again while I will be sharing the links to donate or to reach out to the Kenosha officials. And if you want those links and don't see them on social or if you have any critique for anything that I have said, basketball or more importantly otherwise, feel more than welcome to reach out to me at pod at gmail.com spelt just as it sounds and uh hang in there bucks fans thank you for tuning in to knuck if you buck the milwaukee bucks podcast we hope you join us again see you in another life brother